0: The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Hello, everyone. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. How are you? Ed Lee's dead, mayor of San Francisco age 65 he's going to be remembered as the mayor who really put a lot of efforts into housing in the the city i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing as i get older do i want to live in a concrete jungle or do i want a tree but housing's a problem in san francisco and he was the mayor that's he did his best in seven years to try to tackle that dead at 65 we all are going to die Some of us are going to live. You choose to live, but you will die. I don't know anything about his family or his life or anything like that. 65 seems a little young. In this day and age of modern medicine, to have a heart attack while you're shopping for groceries and kick over and just be dead. Think about where you would be and where your family would be if at 65 you had a heart attack and died. I've got a family member who's 79 who just bought a brand new truck. I'm like, I wonder if he's going to be alive when that's paid for. (laughs) Like, ooh, right? Cringeworthy. I like to imagine myself in other people's scenarios. And that teaches me a lot about how to invest. It teaches me a lot about how to protect people. Doing a radio show, I tend to see the worst-case scenarios. You email me when you're in trouble, not when you're doing great. I tend to see divorces, I tend to see fires, I tend to see I didn't start saving until I was 45. It's depressing, but I still do it. I see the humanity in people. I see that maybe I can't help the person who's 45 and divorced, but maybe I can help her kid. And say, start when you're in your 20s. Do your 401k. Live your life in your 20s. Make mistakes in your 20s. That's totally doable. It's totally fine. I'm okay with that. It's the reason I do the show. In your 20s, you want to start saving a little bit in a 401k. Not a lot. Maybe it's 3%, 4%, 5%. If you could do 15%, you're a rock star. In your 20s, you want to pay off your debt. Debt can hold you back from doing many, many things in life. You've heard the story about millennials who really can't find their way of their own life, and they live with their parents for too long. And in your twenties, you should be figuring out your love life in a passionate way, not living with mom and dad sneaking out. In your twenties, you want to avoid getting into credit card debt because your student debt is going to hold you back, but your credit card debt is going to retard what you just did. You got a job; you're earning fifty thousand dollars a year. Next year, you're going to earn fifty thousand and a five hundred. You're going to get a little bit of a raise. But if your credit card debt's grown at 14 to 20 percent, you're falling behind. So credit card debt on top of student debt, no good, no good. I've got credit cards, and I use reward cards, and that's I pay them off every month. No late payments, no carrying interest, no nothing like that. It's not a game. It's it's my basically cash that I give them I give to the retailers every month. But I put it on a credit card because the credit cards will to give me points. In your 20s, you want to start thinking about the idea of an emergency fund because at some point in time, you're going to be 65 and die. And sometimes you're going to be 25 and die. I know a child who was five years old who had a brain aneurysm. Three years later, at age eight, his parents finally pulled the plug on him. He never recovered. For three years, he was in a hospital bed while his parents anguished and was like, maybe he'll recover. Maybe he'll recover. You want an emergency fund because at any point in time, any one of us can have an aneurysm and die. Deadly, his heart done at age 65, but in your twenties, you want to start creating an emergency fund because when you're, when you're 25 or 30 or 35 and you get married, there's going to be a time where you don't have an aneurysm and die, but you break a leg and can't work. And that's when the emergency fund kicks in. Unexpected expenses are going to pop up more and more as you get older and busier. It's best to prepare, not just an emergency fund, but an emergency plan. Oprah Winfrey is fleeing Montecito when Montecito caught on fire. If it can happen to Oprah Winfrey, it can happen to you. Whether it be a flood, maybe it's a drunk driver who drives into your your living room. I had a bird once fly into my living room through a glass window. Broke its neck. Not good. Would I ever have predicted that? Not a chance. Was it an emergency? Not a chance. Was it a problem? It was a hiccup, right? So you want an emergency fund. You want to start saving for retirement in your 20s. You don't have to get to retirement. When I was 18 years old, I came up with a conclusion. I don't want to work till the day I die. And right now, I'm probably going to work till the day I die. I work in a big city that's just incredibly stressful. The people, the traffic, the concrete start saving for retirement when you're young and then retire when you hit your number retire you want to start thinking about insurance intelligently in your 20s you don't need annuities you don't need whole life insurance you don't need variable life insurance so why don't you need whole life insurance because if you save for your whole life and you have an emergency fund there's going to be a, a boatload a boatload a barge of money when you die because most people die at age 77. They don't die at 65. They don't die at 5. But you get insurance in case you run into a, uh, your car runs into a car of attorneys. Then they're going to take your emergency fund. They're going to take everything they can take from you. You get car insurance. You get renter's insurance. You get homeowner's insurance to insure what you can't afford to lose. Those are all big things. You get health insurance in case you get lymphoma at age 35, which a friend of mine happened that to. And his medical bills were through the roof, but he had health insurance. You don't get health insurance so you can go to the doctor because you have a cough. That's stupid. So get insurance and start understanding what it means. You don't need whole life insurance because the day you die, you don't need your life insured. You've, You've accumulated life. You want to adapt to living below your means. Super important. You don't spend every ounce of every paycheck. Learn to eat in. You'll find living below your means in your 20s is much easier than in your 30s. In your 30s, you got kids, you got a wife... All the kids go to the best schools. You're going to put. There's going to be pressure on you. All the kids have the best jeans. All the kids have the Xboxes. So start learning to live within your means in your 20s, so you can do it in your 30s and 40s as an art form. Pay for your wedding in cash, or don't get married. That's my advice for 20 year olds. I'm Rob Black, talking all things investing and much, much more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. And streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. And don't
1: forget the weeknight replay at 7.
0: You want to hear creepy? Or do you want to hear kooky? I got them both. Netflix sent on a tweet... It said, to the 53 people who've watched A Christmas Prince every day for the past 18 days, who hurt you? It was a snarky tweet. Cookie! Um, Big Brother. As I get older, I don't understand, like, why we volunteer so much information to be followed and, and watched. And am I ever in the privacy of my own home? Not anymore. Netflix produced and promoted the movie, and in be an unapologetically cheery Hallmark Christmassy. They're saying awesome job on a level though. They're also shaming their subscribers, even in jest for watching a feel good film. It's almost bullying. It's almost bullying. When you say to the 53, congrats, it's just, we're not in touch with social media. Social media is not in touch with politically correct. Netflix, uh, Spotify made the same mistake last year. They had a campaign that outed a single user. They, they they sent out Dear person who made a playlist called One Night Stand with Jeb Bush, like he's a Bond girl in a European casino. We have so many questions. Not cool to use information that you gather on your customers against them. People really need to become more cognizant of what data companies are collecting. Our Congress will figure it out ten years too late. With that said, let's talk cryptocurrencies with CFP Chad Burton. The amount of Facebook
1: posts that I see and live Facebook videos and Instagram ads of people that are getting into cryptocurrency, it, it, I will say it's here to stay. And I already said several shows ago that it could go to 20,000 before something really bad happens. We almost got there already. But people are getting sucked into it. They're investing in cryptocurrency before they've ever built a base of their portfolio, maxed out their 401k, even funded a Roth. And they're buying the stuff, and they don't even know why. And I have a real issue with supporting the value of something that hackers and pedophiles and drug dealers use to hide money. I'm starting to have more and more of an issue with it. With that said, you have to separate blockchain from the cryptocurrency itself. And the other uses, especially Ethereum, that has other major uses out there. So, um, I don't personally own it. Do I wish I would have owned it? Yeah. I mean, it's had just this huge, huge rally. And people talk about the tulip bulb things where tulip bulbs went through the moon and then you know everybody lost money on it. It's not the same thing. The same thing happened with the internet. Remember that? Look at all those companies that were created when the internet first really came around in the late 90s, mid to late 90s. And all these companies that were created and went to the moon with zero revenue. Anything .com IPO'd and went to the moon, but zero profits. So, you you often have these these radical events, of new technology, of new something that changes everything, and massive rallies and massive crashes. Cryptocurrencies have crashed a ton of times already since 2013. And most new things go through that type of a cycle. So, it's never going to go away. I'm not sure how it's going to react here. Um, It's really, right now, it's your speculation money. If you already have built a portfolio, you've got a, you know, 401k, you're you're getting the match, you're doing a Roth IRA and you've you've created some money and you're like, "Okay, I've got some speculation money. I've got the it's the same money that I would take to Vegas if I was going on a trip and I liked gambling." That's kind of where you're at now. It, and it's just it's real. The technology is amazing with blockchain. It's going to revolutionize the financial and insurance industry, for example. But People are buying it and they don't know why or what it's for, and that's the scary part about it. It just like it disgusts me when I see the posts of other people sucking other people in on Facebook and they don't even know why. They're just, just saying, just watch me. I'm going to become rich because of this. That's when you get a little bit suspicious of it, right? Um, with that said, people have made millions on it already.
0: And I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we could talk about. As you can tell, I kind of am all over the place. I do want to talk about robots at some point, hopefully today, and robots taking our jobs. There's an amazing article, an amazing article at the New York Times. And, you know, ultimately you may have to subscribe to get it, or maybe you can just find it. It's called Will Robots Take Our Children's Jobs? And it's a good question. I've got two sons, and I'm obsessed with robots. I loved R2D2 as a kid. But R two D two took a copilot's job away. I see what happens. Elon Musk, Bill Gates, Stephen Hawking—they're all freaking out right now about the rise of the invincible machines. Yes, robots have the potential to outsmart us and destroy the human race. But first, artificial intelligence could make countless professions obsolete, and 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 we might want to die. If we don't have a job, what do we even have? Our government paying us? Universal income could happen. I have a dream of sending my kid off to college to become a doctor or a radiologist. Radiologists earn up to $500,000 a year. But that job's suddenly looking iffy as artificial intelligence gets better at reading scans. There's a startup called Arteris. To cite just one example, it already has a program that can perform a magnetic resonance image analysis of blood flow through the heart in just 15 seconds. That's 45 minutes for a human. You know, there's a, a, a robot company that does the da Vinci system that can do heart surgery better than a surgeon can software programs are already being used by companies like JP Morgan to scan legal papers and predict what documents are relevant saving lots of billable hours from attorneys there's other glamour jobs like airline pilots what do you think's happening there there's a robotic co-pilot that was developed by the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency also known as DARPA that flew and landed a simulated 737 Who would I rather have flying the plane, a robot or a human? Remember a couple years ago when a couple pilots show up drunk? I'm not paranoid about this. I'm not worried. One of the best things you could do might be a philosophy degree and a computer science degree. Two degrees. Because the robot's never going to have a heart. He's never going to have a soul. Are robots going to take our jobs? Uh Uh-huh. What are we left with? Hopefully a hardened soul a brain and some courage like the wizard of Oz. I'm Rob black. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob black show. Listen to Rob black and your money weekday mornings, seven to nine on AM 1220 KDOW. Joining me now, Patrick O'Hare from briefing.com wrapping up 2017, essentially month of December does, and uh, we start looking at 2018. Let's talk a little bit about 2017, Mr. O'Hare. As market analyst at briefing.com, no one saw this coming. It was a great year for stocks, and we had a president that we didn't know how presidential he was going to be. We didn't know how the market was going to respond. We didn't know how the economy was going to respond, and everything's kind of okay. We have jobs. We have an economy. Economy helps the stock market. It's been a pretty good year. Are you surprised by that as much as I am?
2: Uh, you know, I'm surprised maybe at the extent of the gains. Not surprised that the fact that the market is up in 2017. Okay. I, I think you pretty much hit on it, Rob. I mean, we can kind of set aside all the noise around politics and everything else, uh, but at the end of the day, uh, the, the enduring factors throughout 2017 have been low interest rates, low inflation, and good earnings growth. And when you have that triumvirate working for you, that's a nice fundamental basis for 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 gains, and uh, and you're seeing investors respond accordingly, and the market respond accordingly to that uh, to that nice foundation there.
0: It's good to know that we're on the same page. I think the one of the big stories of 2017, as I start thinking about it again, is tax reform. Um, I can give you a couple quick examples. Uh, I saw Warren Buffett on TV, and they said, "Are you a buyer or seller of the stock market right now?" He goes. I'm waiting to see what happens with tax reform. I have friends who own Apple Computer or Apple Shares, and they're like, what should I do? I said, well, the 10 is going to be a great product, and that should help drive momentum. But really, you should wait for tax reform because the 20% tax rate versus 35 for Apple and repatriation, you may leave 25 to 30% on the table just on that alone. Tax reform, big part of this year. Now that we're kind of seeing it, should we say... We bought the rumor. Should we sell the news? What are your thoughts on tax reform going into 2018?
2: Well, I don't think that, you know, tax reform is fully baked into the market because I don't think you've seen uh, earnings estimate revisions uh, account for the potential for a low tax rate. And that's really based in large part on the fact that we don't know what that final, you know, tax bill is going to look like. You know, there's some good ideas around it, but no one's really uh, uh, doing anything more than penciling in some numbers, but no one's writing anything in ink right now. Uh, so to the extent that you get what everyone does think and you get a 20% tax rate and you get that you know, lower repatriation tax rate, I think you start seeing earnings estimates, uh, consensus earnings estimates for 2018 move up. And due to that, you've got a market that can sort of rationalize further multiple expansion because it's going to be starting from a lower base, if you will, when it accounts for those higher earnings growth estimates. And so long as uh, interest rates remain low, inflation remains low, and earnings growth remains strong, uh, again, the basis for a market that has the, the capability to trend higher um, now I don't really know uh, and haven't predicted you know a, a quote year-end number for 2018 I'm'm I'm not really caught up in that particular uh, forecasting game uh, what we do though is we simply assess those fundamental factors that are supportive for equity valuations and provide some directional insights to where the market's likely to head based on those factors. And so, again, right now you have low interest rates, low inflation, strong earnings growth, and it looks as if you're also seeing, you know, pick up an economic growth globally, and that all bodes well for the market. Uh, before you even get into the fact that if you get this corporate tax rate and the lower repatriation tax rate, that's going to be quite a benefit for multinational corporations, and it's going to ultimately help boost their earnings as well as their cash flow, which really is the you know the fuel that helps drive dividend increases and share buybacks, and that's something that shareholders, uh, which I think you alluded to it opening of this question is that's something shareholders can hang on to here knowing that there's a basis for further upside if that comes to fruition.
0: Once again, looking at 2018, we are living in 2017 in the world of the Federal Reserve has raised interest rates and looks that are on the path to it again based on a pretty good economy with pretty good jobs. We probably want a little more wage in the perfect world. Um, I have an economist friend who 20 years ago told me the federal reserve has caused every major recession in the united states and i don't know if that t- to be true or not but raising the cost of money certainly can slow down the greased wheels of the economy um, do you think the fed causes recessions or do you think so there, we're on the path yeah, go ahead
2: yeah i don't you know i think i think you can make an argument that the fed is a contributor to those recessions because they you know they're typically raising interest rates out of uh, out of a a period of stronger growth and they're trying to live up to that dual mandate of, you know, stable prices and, and full employment. And so they, they raise rates accordingly, um, and oftentimes, uh, you know, you get to an inflection point where it just becomes too much and loan demand goes down and and uh, and you see contractions in credit and, and just lower consumer spending and, and and so on and so forth. And so they're a contributing factor. I don't think the, the Fed itself is, is, you know, the single factor in it. There's always, you know, more in play. Um, so, uh, but, but you know, and speaking of the Fed here, I do think as we do, Review through 2017, I think you've got to give the Fed some credit here uh, it, with respect to its communications policy. Right, They've gotten a lot of flack over the years, and understandably so. But if you take into account that the, the stock market is at record highs this year, while the Fed has raised interest rates um, a few times and soon to be a third time here, um, it, it does underscore that the fed has guided the market properly in terms of what it's going to do as far as a gradual rate increase and and that's been a good thing here and the market has been tolerant of that because uh, it's been accepting of the fed's view because you you have concurrently you know improving economic growth with low inflation and that's a good Good backdrop as we continue to discuss in this in this interview, but uh, so that's going to be a key thing to watch in 2018 is is how the Fed reacts to uh, incoming data that could be stronger than expected, and particularly the inflation data. If you see inflation pick up, you know uh, above the Fed's uh, target rate of two percent, you know will that prompt the Fed to get more aggressive than than some people think it should, and what does that do to to the ultimate? economic outlook. So it's a key factor here in 2018. Um, But for 2017, the Fed has not gotten in the market's way, if you will. Uh, And that's clear to see in the fact that the major industries have all established new record highs while the Fed has been raising interest rates.
0: Hmm. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, Anything in 2018 that you're predicting? Uh, Anything kind of trying to put a bow on looking at the big picture, so to speak, of 2018. Which, for yeah. the record, you do write an article for briefing. dot com called "The Big Picture."
2: I do, and uh, in this past week I did update. You know our our market view, if you will. Uh, you know it's not a market view that's going to give you a price target. Um, uh, and it, it admittedly suggests that, you know, no one can accurately predict the future, right? So you can only make your best educated guess. And, you know, we continue to think, based on what we see in these fundamental factors of interest rates, inflation, and earnings, uh, that the, the, the elements are in place for another positive year for the stock market, and we'll be assessing it as we go along. But if we continue to see uh, the pick uh, pickup in economic growth, Um, then you should see, I think, a continued rotation into some of those value plays where the potential for upside-earning surprises is stronger than it might be for some of these, um, you know, widely loved growth stocks that have have led the market in 2017. So, something to be on the lookout for there. And, and of course. You have a lot of pundits out there that are suggesting you're going to see really, you know, somewhat low, if very modest, price returns. And I think that, you know, that ultimately could benefit, you know, total return strategies. Uh, So, would not, you know, disavow oneself of those uh, very quality dividend-paying companies if you're going to be stuck in a a potentially low-return environment.
0: I've never asked your opinion on Bitcoin. I don't know if you're knowledgeable enough. I assume you've got a thought on it or two. Um, it's in the news everywhere. It's as a financial media guy who works in television and radio, it's in the news everywhere. As a financial guy, I'm like, just ignore it. It's not a real product. It's kind of an alternative to gold. And then I'm like, Ooh, it's kind of an alternative to gold. I don't like gold, but it's a trillion dollar market. Gold is $6 trillion market. Um, should we be paying attention to Bitcoin? Should, what What are your thoughts?
2: I guess you know Bitcoin can be labeled a store of value until it collapses, right? <laughs> and okay. so That's fair. I, I don't, I don't, uh, I, I honestly don't have really any strong feeling about Bitcoin other than it certainly has the elements of of, of that you know bubble up trading atmosphere. Uh, everybody's talking about it. Uh, everyone's clamoring to open up an account at Coinbase to trade it, uh, and uh, but there's there's really nothing underlying it frankly <laughs> so the the blockchain technology as everyone does rightly allude to will have some uh some real applications uh in coming years but in terms of the the cryptocurrencies themselves uh they certainly have a casino-esque type feel to them and um and i'm kind of personally staying away from it myself and just watching from the sidelines uh with some amusement because it does remind me of the uh, the old good old dot com days
0: Sounds good, sir. Have a nice day. Thanks for your help. It's Patrick O'Hare with briefing.com. He is a treasure trove of information and insight, and we don't pre-plan these bits. He goes with the flow beautifully. Briefing.com. Check him out for international, national market news. Um, Great contributor to the financial information. I'm Rob Black. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. So, this is u This is Bono. It's their 14th studio album. It's a pretty good song, in my opinion. It's interesting because Bono made a decision. Sometime in the last five years, he got cancer. No one really knows what happened. He hasn't talked about it. But he wanted to write an album for his kids, for his family, for his loved ones. The album's produced by Steve Lillywhite, who is unbelievable as a production producer goes. You um, 2 hires the best people to work with. There's a business lesson there. But he also took the time to say, you're the best thing about me. And pain in your face doesn't show. When you look so good and baby, you don't even know. Oh, you've seen enough to know it's children who teach. You're still enough to wake up on a bed or a beach. Pretty good stuff. Why am I? Why am I walking away? Walking away? Why am I walking away? He wrote an album, Songs of Experience, where he wants to tell his kids and his wife and the bandmates, you're the best thing about me. Every song has personal meaning to him. And he's never done that because he doesn't like that. He's always had bigger lyrics, bigger verses. The Edge writes all the music and then he writes the words to it. The song has a drive before he figures it out. They're best friends, which is another business lesson. The Rolling Stones lead singers hate each other. The Beatles... Lead singers hated each other. Lynn and McCartney, they had different styles. These guys worked together, and sometimes in life you need to work together. Sometimes you need to stop and say, I appreciate you. Good business lessons. You could build an empire and then divorce and split it. This is their 14th album. That's crazy. The song, he refers to it as a defiant joy, something that he and The Edge said was more important than ever in the difficult times in which we're living. I kind of agree with that. The song was one of several from the album for which Bono wrote lyrics to his friends and family. He had a major scare when he wasn't really sure he'd be around much longer. Bono said he had, you know, the lyrics come to him in a dream that he had destroyed something that's most important to him, his relationship with his wife. The Edge described you the best thing about me as a love song, but with another layer, as it raises a cosmic question. Why, when everything is perfect, do we have a tendency to mess it up? That's a great question. The joke is, why do you write a love song when the world's on fire? And that's exactly what you do. With that said, congratulations to you two for putting on a 14th studio album. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, and sometimes I get it right, and sometimes I get it wrong. I talked earlier about what you do in your 20s, here's what you do in your 30s. Your 20s are all about finding yourself and making some mistakes. Your 30s are about fixing the car, getting it on the road, just getting it right. You want to advance your career. In your 20s, you're developing a marketing skill. In your 30s, you're delivering it. It's time to apply it. Don't wait till your 40s. In your 30s, you want to start rethinking your budget. In your 20s, it's, it is important to travel. It is important to go to New York. It is important to go to Miami. I flew a girlfriend to Miami once Um, because I wanted to see the Art Deco hotels. I wanted to see the glamour that is Miami on television. It's not that glamorous. It's okay. It's nice. It's not great. I wanted to fly to New York to see a Broadway show because Broadway shows look cool. I hate Broadway shows. They're overrated. I'm having a bad day. Meow, 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 meow. Cats is probably the dumbest Broadway show of all time. Midnight, and the kitty cats are all sleeping. Like, do we need that? No. So, you want to rethink your budget in your 30s. You need to cut spending in some areas to reallocate money elsewhere. When you're 20s, you're saving 5% of your 401k, in your 30s, you're doing 15%. And when you're 20s, you're trying to figure out your emergency fund, in your 30s, you've got it mastered. In your 30s, it's now time to start thinking about readjusting your, how you approach insurance. In your 20s, you have renter's insurance. Hopefully, in your 30s, you have homeowner's insurance. Hopefully, you say, you know, I'm making $50,000 a year. My, my spouse, if I die, that goes away. How can I help? So you go 50000 times 10000 $500,000 of life insurance in term life. All the other in life insurance, whole life and variable life, is crap. It's garbage. In your 30s, you better pay off your non-mortgage debt. You made a mistake with debt, credit card debt, in your 20s. Stop it. Save 15% minimum. Start diversifying how you invest. Don't go real estate's the only thing. Investing's the only thing. Bitcoin's the only thing. Get a blend going. In your 30s, watch your credit, improve it, because you're gonna buy a house. And having an 800 score is way better than a 700 score when getting a mortgage rate. In your 30s, write your will. Tell people that you love them. From Songs of Experience, the world's on fire. Love people. Don't covet your neighbor's stuff, covet your life. I'm not black talking all things financial, money invested in more